Happy New Year, and welcome to the Tuesday, January 4th, 2022 episode of the Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music, and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you've never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or the estate of any performer or composer dead and gone to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is Jana Ayers. Along with her twin sister, Jacy, they are collectively known as the indie pop rock duo, Lavendine. Following up their breakthrough success at mainstream radio in 2020 with their powerhouse hit, Rapture, these Oklahoma-based twin sisters and multi-talented singer-songwriters have also released their infectious and hopeful new alt-pop single, Open Up a Window, on April 23rd. More recently, they released their newest single, Here to You, on October 27th, 2021. Open Up a Window follows Lavendine's impressive success with several singles from their debut album, Feel My Way. In 2020, their signature song, Rapture, hit both the media base AC Top 25 and BDS Billboard AC Top 25, and number one on the media base AC Independent Artist Song Rankings. The national buzz around these tunes also led Lavendine to be featured in the Artist Spotlight on the Jim Brickman National Radio Show. While Jana and JC were happily surprised at the mainstream success of a faith-based song like Rapture, that seems to be a manifestation of their belief that they were given these outlets for a reason. Rather than preach to the choir, they can share their uplifting messages with those who need to hear them more and perhaps bring the gospel spirit to recording sessions helmed by secular producers and engineers in their midst. 
Just like the title says, it's opened us up to a new season of creativity, and we're excited about the new songs we're working on that we plan to release soon, JC says. We don't know the future, but we're grateful and humbled to be back making music. It is my pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Jana Ayers. Hello, Jana. Hello. It's really great to uh, talk with you and have you on my show today. I'm going to start with kind of a philosophical question because I am a, a university professor and I think I'm obligated to ask those kind of questions from time to time. Okay. The ancient Greeks uh, claimed philosophically that the purpose of tragedy in drama was to serve as an emotional catharsis for those witnessing the drama. One could experience the emotional pain of what they were witnessing on stage without mm -hmm. having to bear the actual pain of what mm -hmm. was being viewed on stage. Mm -hmm. So in addition to raising the awareness of the plight of a number of people in our society, is the aesthetic purpose of your songs to provide an emotional cleansing for your listeners? Or mm -hmm. are you, as other songwriters have done, simply serving as an observer of cultural mm -hmm. trends and making personal commentary? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I feel like that when people see the life of someone that overcomes, it's just a great witness and testimony that you can survive pretty much anything you go through in your life. And I'm a strong believer in God. And if it hadn't been for him, you know, I don't think that I would have been able to make it. And I just, my sister and I both want to be an encouragement to others through our struggles, even in our struggles, we've had triumph and that if you lean into God, he can carry you. And I do, I agree with you when they put that in front of you and you see people's testimonies on stage or through a song or through a life, that's the best way to reach people and give them the strength to make it through. All right. Well, it, Lynn, let's move on and talk about your single, Open Up a Window. Now, mm -hmm. this is this has been a big breakthrough song for you. And uh, mm -hmm. this, uh, you know, this seems to me to be a song about looking for the good in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's especially true given what we have gone through during the past uh, couple of years. Well, truth be known, what we're still going through with social, cultural and political divisiveness and, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. the, the song seems like a breath of fresh air that is needed to realize there is a lot of good about our world. Would you comment? Yes, absolutely. And I do believe timing is everything. And my sister and I, since we were real young, we just had an awareness there that even as young children, that we were meant to bring some kind of hope, even to family circumstances. And as we grew, you know, into our adult years, we realized that our gifts were meant to give hope. And the biggest thing, the message in that song is when you go through struggles, you tend to get depressed and down and you, you begin to get hopeless and don't believe that you can make it. And that's what that song is about, talking to yourself to believe in a better future. And that's why it says, open up the window of your heart and 
believe that things can change and they will because i believe god will change the darkest of circumstances mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you've also released a single uh here on october 27th uh probably that's probably your most recent release entitled mm -hmm. here to you now uh -huh. when i listen to this song the first thing that came to my mind was was uh the book of matthew chapter 20 verse 16 from the bible mm -hmm. Where the verse it says, so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called but few chosen. Mm -hmm. And my interpretation of that scripture passage is that no matter whether we are first in line or last in line to accept God in our lives, he accepts us. Yes. And in the video for the song is a mm -hmm. dove. And the dove is often used as a symbol of God. So my question to you, is it God that is being sought in the song here to, here to you? And if not, the song is certainly full of lyrics about hanging on and searching for a significant someone. Would you please comment? Yes. Uh, to answer your first question, yes, the song was written about finding God because I believe in this world, on this earth, we're forever searching for God's peace and his presence, and sometimes we don't even know it. And that's why people lean on other things and don't realize that God can fill the void. And the song was also written from a circumstance uh, with me and my sister. We didn't marry till we were in our thirties mm -hmm. and we both really wanted to have a husband. So the song was just about going through the heartache of the loneliness and finding the right person that God would bring, but also, you know, to find God in it and all the, the struggles. So yes, it was for both. So that's mm -hmm. amazing that you got that interpretation. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it can have many, several meanings. And yes. uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm, it spoke to me that way. I'm glad to hear that we were in agreement. Good, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's so good because we know that God is touching people for the way that we meant, you know? Mm -hmm. You just never know as an artist if you're conveying what God fully wants to. And since you did, it just really makes me feel good that we've accomplished mm -hmm. our task. Sure. Well, you want to know that your message is getting through in, yes, in, in, a, in a like way. Yes. When, I, uh, when I listen to your music, and I've listened to, to all I can find on Spotify mm -hmm. and, and yeah. uh, on YouTube and so forth, I cannot mm -hmm. help but draw a comparison to another well-known female duo, mm -hmm. mother and daughter, Naomi and Winona Judd. <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i hear them as a pop group with a bit of a country bent to their sound mm -hmm. and i, and I mm -hmm. hear a similar sound in your work mm -hmm. is is there a relationship there that that i'm i'm uh in other words am i grasping at straws or am i on target or close to it? no yeah i believe you are uh right on the money because jason and i were oklahoma girls we grew up with country music and it's always going to be an influence and, you know, I can remember when Jason and I were younger, we used to sing Love Can Build a Bridge, you know, by then, you know, Naomi wrote mm -hmm. that. And I'm not going to say that they were uh, our inspiration or, you know, artistry wise, you know, we tried to make ourselves similar, but, you know, the country girl, you, you just can't take that out of Jason and I, but we, we also have a little bit of a kind of an alternative edge to us because of mm -hmm. a lot of music we used to listen to. So we kind of have a blend there. So. You're right. Yeah, there is just a little bit of a country flair to what we do, but I think that's because we're Southern girls. We can't get away from that. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's true. I, yeah. I, 
I lived in Texas for 15 years and uh, before I moved to Wisconsin and uh, you know, and country music is pretty ubiquitous in that part of the part of the country in the, in the (laughs) Southwest. And uh, so, yeah, I hear you. I understand. Well, then if not the Judds, who were models for your particular vocal style and quality? Uh, I'm going to say, gosh, there's so many. Uh, the group Heart, remember mm-hmm. those girls back oh, then yeah. that kind of had a, a rock edge. Um, we loved Chicago because of all the harmonies. That really influences our harmonies. Now, country music probably would have been Diamond Rio. My sister okay. and I were always drawn more to the male versions of music. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember when Jody Messina came out. My sister and I really loved her music because it had a little, little bit more of a guy edge on it. And we do not like the girly thing, even though we're girls. I know that sounds funny, but artistry wise, we want to push that more mature. I don't know. It's just like a subtle masculine thing to our music. We just mm-hmm. really were picky about that. Mm-hmm. You know, girls can get too frilly, though, you know, the way they create the music. And we don't want to come across frilly because I feel like our message and what we feel called to do is so serious. And we don't want to damper that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the best way to describe it. All right. Well, that's a great description. Um, yeah. Well, then the other question I would ask about you guys is what have been some of your most memorable musical experiences? Oh, gosh. Well, if you want to laugh. Um, uh, sure, I can to, always use you know, a good you know, laugh. We, we used to do contests all the time. Our choir directors would always get us in these contests where we had, you know, do the duet or the you know the solos and a lot of people don't know that about us but jason and i both got a scholarship to ou for music and uh we turned it down if you can believe it my my parents were mortified when we did that but we felt like that they were going to turn our voices kind of more into a classical sound and we wanted to do secular music and as artists we shied away from that looking back on that i don't know if it would have but it could very well have changed our vocal style but this leads me to a story. We did a we did a duet one time, and uh, I got a cramp in my foot on the stage, <laughs> and it was a huge thing at OU, and I could not quit it, get it to stop, and we ended up singing the whole song with me having that problem, and they knew that I didn't give my best performance, so they had us walk off stage and walk back on, and we ended up re-singing it, and we ended up winning the whole contest. We got oh. a one, and yeah, and it was just... It's one of those memorable moments as an artist where you have to push through the struggle. Yeah. But, you know, Jason, I learned that in choir and different things. We also play basketball. You know, the game ain't over till it's over. And uh, we have been that way in our career. We have overcome any and every obstacle. Obviously, like this, these we've had some health troubles, even with our mouth, you know. We're artists and we use our mouth. We've had the struggle. But, you know, we realize it, it ain't over till it's over. We're going to overcome whatever comes our way. And if God has called us and we know it, we're just going to do it. And that is just one example. We laugh about it now. We're like, oh, my God, that was, you know, humiliating. But, Mm -hmm. you know, God was teaching us, if you just keep going, keep going, you'll surprise yourself. Sure, sure. Yeah, keep (laughs) keep your eye on the keep your eye on the horizon and keep keep moving one foot in front of the other. Yes. You find your way. That's a yeah. great story. That's yeah, it was a miracle story. story yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious to know that aside from uh, recording new songs, 
Mm-hmm. How have you guys been keeping mentally and musically active since most live music has been shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, I think if you're a true musician and you love music and you especially love creating, it never leaves. You know, if I have my little boy here right now, I could tell you Joe Size, his name, he's uh, seven years old and he walks around here just writing songs, you know riding his little scooter and all that you know i'm forever creating music even just in a sitting around my living room i mean i don't know if people would even believe that but when music is that much in your heart you're just always doing it so i don't think it's ever died in any way it's just been alive it won't ever die i don't think sure well it's like uh david letterman on television used to make the joke there is no off switch with genius no no (laughs) yeah Well, I'm then, I'm then curious for you to have to share with my audience your your creative process. Do you uh, usually start with a lyric, or do you start with a melodic idea, or a rhythmic idea, or a particular set of chord changes, or do you attempt to reflect a particular mood or some other cognitive imagery? Well, uh, I believe that it's all the above. But JC and I tend to be melodic. We mm-hmm. will hear a melody in our spirit, and then the words will kind of come to fruition. In fact, uh, there's been a lot of times where JC and I woke up in the night singing a melody, and we realized that God was giving us a song. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, God has many times done it that way. You know, he's kind of like, you know, you, you did that last one. Let me do this one, you know, so. We just mm-hmm. are open to anything. You know, when God's in it, when God is in it, he will He will do it any way he desires. We don't really put stipulations on that. Sure. So, so all, all the above. Okay. That's, that's right. what makes it a miracle to me, though. That's what makes the creative process a miracle because it's not strategic. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like songs that are written strategically like that, they don't have the, the, what, the authenticity, you know? Okay. But if you were to start with a lyric, how would you translate those words into a musical idea? Well, you know, I feel like lyrics are part of the melody, the idea. So if I was going to write a song about a father losing a child, I would not automatically in my spirit come up with like a happy melody. Yeah. It It would already be like a moody, somber melody. You, you connect the thoughts with the mood of the melody. And, it, and that's how it just kind of, you know, it goes on into the, the next phase. And then if the song is, is bringing hope, you know, you lift the melody. And then sometimes, you know, you can do a dark melody with a happy message or a, a happy melody with a dark message to give it a twist. But you always, I feel you need to come back to the, the authenticity of the the melody and the words, you know, combining, connecting somehow together. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's it's really more of a, a an organic sort of uh, process. It all just kind of happens at once. It does. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. And you've already kind of addressed. You're always writing music. I guess a always. day doesn't go by that you that you you don't write something. Yeah. Well, if you um have got some songs going in uh, towards uh, release. Can you give my audience a glimpse into what they might hear from you in the near future? 
Yes, in fact, there's a song we're real excited about. Jaycee Knight kind of fell in our lap. Um, we had a song we had written, but we had some guy put a new version of the music. And when he did, we rewrote a new song to that new track, even though it was an old melody and an old track. It's really interesting. And as it's come about, the song is actually about narcissism and the coldness of people's hearts, because we feel like, because we're living in times right before the Lord's return, people are really getting dark and turn away from God. And we, this song has just kind of come about how to get through narcissism and deal with people that don't know Christ and are causing woundings and pain to people. And we've all been through that, but I feel like it's getting, you know, greater in measure, the attack on good people by people who don't have God in their life. And it's going to be an amazing song. It's, it's awesome. Oh, very good. Very good. Do you yeah. have any, any sort of anticipated uh, date of release? Well, we're, it could be the beginning of this year. We're, we're trying to decide between that one and another one we call, we have called Finding My Way Home. And Finding My Way Home, the other song is really wonderful too. My sister woke up singing that one night in bed. God gave that to her. And it was about finding your way to heaven, essentially, through this dark world, you know, how to come to know God and make make it into heaven because that's ultimately we feel like we're just passing through here to get on to be with god in heaven so they're both mm -hmm. really powerful songs we're trying to decide praying about it you know just whichever one but they're both a really good message and need to be out okay well kind of thinking about larger projects it's been mm -hmm. uh about what about eight years since the release of your last full album mm -hmm. fell fell my way Mm -hmm. Do you have any plans in the works to release another full album in the near future? We've always got that in the back of our mind, but as of right now, we're just kind of, we're letting things flow organically, but JC and I have tons of songs in the wings that we could go in and do a full project, but we just haven't got that unction as of yet to go in and do that. But yeah, I mean, if we woke up tomorrow and felt that we would pull from that group and easily be able to do a full record. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, do you or JC, either, either of you, do you keep like a, a sketchbook of your ideas that oh, later yeah. you flesh out to be songs? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we laugh sometimes at them, you know, because you get ideas and then they just kind of fade away. I think mm -hmm. the ones that God wants us to do, they always kind of rise back to the surface. You know, you've always got some that kind of they're in there and then they kind of fall to the side, you know, that, mm -hmm. that scripture that says the prophet's man's, you know, the word of a prophet, you know, he speaks it and it, you know, none of his words will fall to the ground. I think when God's not in it, he'll just kind of let those things fade away like leaves in the wind, you know, so we don't really stress about it, you know, sure. we just, we feel like if it's supposed to be, it'll kind of resurface. It's interesting how that happens, but pretty amazing. Well, actually. Pretty much going to separate the wheat from the chaff for you. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. He always does. Yeah. 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 So uh, kind of looking at uh, the big picture. So what yeah. is the future for moving forward for Lavendine? Well, uh, number one, overcoming all of our health troubles that we've had, which we feel is totally spiritual. Um, JC and I have had a message of hope and how to draw close to God since we were real little. And we, the devil has fought us the whole way, but we are getting well. And we're going to do some live things and begin to let the world see us for who we are and not just hear us because we feel like you know we're going to stand strong and 
and be the witness that God's called us to be before we see him again. So mm -hmm. it'll be. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Well, uh, Jana, is there anything else you would like to add or tell my audience that I have not asked you about? I think the biggest thing, you know, since Jason and I were real little, we had a dream and it was to do music. And we wanted to go to that big city where they do music. We didn't know what that was. I mean, in a child's mind, that's a big lit up carnival, you know. But we always knew since we were children that we had a dream and we eventually realized that it would, God had put it in our heart. And whoever's listening that has a dream and they feel like it's impossible, that they cannot accomplish it for whatever reason, just to know that if God has really put it in your heart, he can bring it to pass, even with struggles and obstacles and even financial struggles that he can make a way where there seems to be no way. And if he has called you truly, it will happen. Maybe not in your time, but God will do it. Okay. This sounds like a very strong testimony. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, Jenna, I want to thank you for taking time to talk with me today. And uh, I certainly want to wish uh, you and your sister all the best for what I'm sure is going to be a continued and successful musical future. Well, I sure appreciate it. And I enjoyed this tremendously. And uh, I hope to do it again. All right. Well, thank you very much. And you have a great rest of your day. Okay, you too. Mm -hmm. My discovery composer of the week is Johan Kalevoda, a bohemian composer and violinist active mainly in Germany. Born in Prague in 1801, he died in Karlsruhe in 1866. Kalevoda entered the newly founded Prague Conservatory in 1811, studying violin with Friedrich Wilhelm Brixis and theory and composition with Bedrich Divus Weber. After graduating with honors, he joined the Prague Theater Orchestra in 1816, just as Karl Maria von Weber, its director, was about to move to Dresden. In 1821, he left Prague to embark on a career as a touring virtuoso that took him to Germany, Switzerland, and the Netherlands. Impressed by Kalavoda's musicianship, Prince Karl Egon II von Furstenberg invited the young artist to become Kabelmeister at his court at Donaujingen. Following a brief visit to Prague, where he married the singer Teresa Brunetti, Kalavoda accepted the prince's offer and took up residence in December 1822. He conducted the court orchestra, appeared often as violin soloist, coordinated musical activities at the local cathedral, directed the court opera, including performances of Mozart's Don Giovanni, La Clemenza di Tito, and Die Zauberflaute, and Cherubini's Les Deux Journées, and gave musical instruction to the prince's children. He further enriched the town's cultural life by engaging such artists as 
Clara and Robert Schumann, Liszt, Talberg, and Dreischock for appearances at court. He was also able to maintain his career as a violinist, performing in Germany, Switzerland, the Netherlands, and his native Bohemia on the Stradivarius given him by Prince Karl Egon. At its height, his playing was described as agile and spirited, but already in 1846, K.F. Brendel suggested that he was no longer in his prime. During almost 40 years of service in Donaueschingen, Kalevoda was also highly active as a composer, his reputation having been established as early as 1826 by performances of his Symphony No. 1, Opus 7, in Leipzig and Prague. The esteem in which Kalevoda was held is demonstrated by the offers he received from such musical centers as Cologne, Mannheim, Leipzig, Dessau, and Prague, and by his election to honorary membership of musical societies in Germany, Sweden, the Netherlands, and Bohemia. The revolutions of 1848 led to the disbanding of Karl Egon's Hofkapelle and to Kalevoda's move to Karlsruhe, where his son Wilhelm, born in 1827, died in 1893, a talented pianist, composer, and conductor in his own right, was director of the court theater. The destruction by fire in 1850 of the theater in Donaueschingen dealt the court a blow from which it was unable to recover, even after Kalevoda's reinstatement at the behest of Karl Egon III in 1857. In July of the following year, he appeared for the last time in Prague, conducting his Overture No. 15 in E, Opus 226, for festivities held to commemorate the founding of the conservatory. He retired to Karlsruhe in 1866 and died there later that year. Kalevoda composed over 450 works, 243 published with opus numbers, 44 without, and 170 in manuscript, ranging from opera, concerted mass, symphony, overture, and concerto, leader, choral part songs, instrumental chamber music, salon and character pieces, as well as instructional works for violin. Of the seven symphonies composed between 1825 and 1843, the first three formed a regular part of the repertory of orchestras until the mid-19th century and received considerable attention from contemporary critics. The symphonies also provide an interesting case study in the problems faced by a composer whose allegiance to late 18th century ideals was tinged by an incipient romantic spirit. 
several writers praised their clarity of form, graceful, at times Italianate melodies, skillful developments, finely wrought contrapuntal textures, and deft orchestration. Schumann, who maintained cordial relations with Calavota, and in 1833 accorded him the dedication of his Intermezzos, Opus Number no. 4, took a more critical stance in a series of reviews published in the Neue Zeitschrift für Musik between 1834 and 1841, and predicted that only his earlier symphonies would endure, dismissing his overtures, solo works with orchestra and salon pieces as charming but ultimately shallow compositions. Although Calavota's two operas also received favorable notices from contemporary journalists, neither work established itself in the repertory. History has proven even less generous to Calavota. The only one of his works to endure in 20th century concert life was the Deutsches Lied for male chorus, which until the 1930s served as an unofficial national anthem for Germans in Bohemia. The All Music Guide lists nine recordings of Calavota's chamber music, seven of his concerti, two of his solo keyboard works, seven of his symphonies, six of his overtures for orchestra, and four recordings of his works for solo voice with accompaniment. In my show notes is a link to a YouTube performance of Calivota's Divertimento Opus 59 for two horns and piano, performed by Javier Bonet and Maria Rubio. That wraps episode number 63. My show notes, along with links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances, are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Next week, I will be interviewing San Francisco-based singer-songwriter Claudia Combs Carty. We will be talking about her newest album, Phases. Other upcoming interviews will include boogie-woogie piano-pumping rockabilly Wunderkind, Veronica Lewis, Nashville-based husband and wife duo Elder, and Chicago-based contemporary composer Cassandra Cassor. So don't touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So, until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog, 
signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.